The Old Testament reading this evening comes from the prophet Micah, the fifth chapter, beginning at the second verse. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle reading comes from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, the first chapter. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. And the Holy Gospel comes to us according to St. Luke, the third chapter. Jesus, when he began his ministry, was about 30 years of age, being the son, as was supposed, of Joseph, the son of Heli, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Janai, the son of Joseph, the son of Mattathias, the son of Amos, the son of Nahum, the son of Esli, the son of Nagai, the son of Maath, the son of Matthias, the son of Simeon, the son of Joseph, the son of Jodah, the son of Joanan, the son of Resa, the son of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the son of Neri, the son of Melchi, the son of Adai, the son of Cossum, the son of Elmadam, the son of Ur, the son of Joshua, the son of Eliezer, the son of Joram, the son of Mathat, the son of Levi, the son of Simeon, the son of Judah, the son of Joseph, the son of Jonam, the son of Eliakim, the son of Melea, the son of Mena, the son of Matahatha, the son of Nathan, the son of David, the son of Jesse, the son of Obed, the son of Boaz, the son of Salah, the son of Nashan, the son of Aminadab, the son of Admin, the son of Arni, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah, the son of Jacob, the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, the son of Terah, the son of Naor, the son of Serud, the son of Reu, the son of Peleg, the son of Eber, the son of Shelah, the son of Canaan, the son of Arphaxad, the son of Shem, the son of Noah, the son of Lemech, the son of Methuselah, the son of Enoch, the son of Jared, the son of Mahalalel, the son of Canaan, the son of Enos, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Genealogy, as you probably know, is the study of ancestry. Looking back at the parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, and so on, of somebody. It's tracing roots, finding out where they come from, getting a glimpse of what made them who they are. As you look back over someone's genealogy, you sometimes start to see patterns and themes, as well as outliers and anomalies. But in each generation, you see a little bit of what led up to the birth of the person that you're studying. This Advent, we are focusing on the genealogy of Jesus Christ. We are looking at his earthly family tree and seeing what his ancestry says about him. And as we learn about him, we of course learn about ourselves. Because God chose to come to this world, to become part of his creation, to take on human flesh and be with us through an earthly family. God could have simply appeared in the flesh. He's God. He can do anything. But instead, he was born into a specific family with a specific past and a specific genealogy, coming to us through generation after generation of ancestors. Now, if you've ever spoken with a genealogist about their family tree, you know two things. Number one, you're going to be there for a while because they've got lots to tell you about. Number two, they want you to be impressed. Most genealogists want to share with you the most impressive people of their bloodline. When you ask a genealogist about their background, they are going to go for the high points. They are going to go for the ones that make you go, ooh, I like this. They want you to know that they have someone very special in their ancestry, that through their veins runs the blood of someone impressive and memorable. Someone really good, like royalty, or a brave soldier in a war, or someone who made a big impact on their community. Maybe even someone notorious, like a betrayer, someone who was tried as a witch, or the guy who accidentally burned down the family business. I mean, that's noteworthy, at least. Genealogies are usually about the big names, the names you're going to remember, the names that you are going to recognize, and that you want to tell everybody else about. And when we look at Jesus' genealogy, we have some pretty big names. We have lots of giants of the faith. I mean, we have King David in there. Does it get any bigger than that? We have Abraham, the father of the Jewish nation. We have Isaac and Jacob. We have Noah. We have Adam. Names that are well known from the Bible. Important men of faith. Names that even people not all that familiar with Jesus will probably recognize. And we also have some pretty notorious scoundrels in there too. I mean, we have some wicked kings who led Israel in idolatry and depravity. We have men who are liars and thieves. We have men who committed rape and incest and murder. I mean, Jesus' family tree is pretty shady at times. But those are just the ones that we remember, right? Those are just kind of the standouts. But if you were listening to me struggle over there, I read a lot of names. And most of those names 
You didn't know. And neither did I, obviously. Most of Jesus' family tree is just guys, people. What did they do? Guys that we don't know a whole lot about. Men that we don't have much of a record of, even in the Bible. It's a list of names that's hard for us to pronounce and even harder for us to care about. I mean, take tonight's featured person, the one that we have the whole service built around his name is on the bulletin, Shealtiel. Take him, for instance. Now, his is probably not a name that you're terribly familiar with, so let me make like a good genealogist and tell you a little bit more about him. He was really well known for... Hmm. But there was that one time when he... No, that wasn't him. Ah, but who could forget about when he... No. I got nothing. Nothing at all. We know nothing about Shealtiel. We know more about his son Zerubbabel, who played a key role in the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple when the exiles returned from Babylon. But let's be honest, if your claim to fame is the dad of a guy that some people might have kind of heard of, that's kind of lame, isn't it? We don't see his name elsewhere in the Bible. We don't hear about his exploits. We don't hear about the grand things that he did for the faith. He was known by his family and friends, but after a couple of generations, he pretty much became just this anonymous twig in the family tree. A name that you kind of gloss over and ignore so that you can get to the good ancestors, the exciting ones, the ones that matter. But here's the fact. Even if we don't remember Shealtiel, he definitely mattered. He was important. He is an essential link in Jesus' bloodline. Without Shealtiel, there would have been no Jesus. And even if we don't remember him, even if we don't know what he did, even if we can't bring to mind even a picture or an image or anything about him, God did. And God still does remember him. You see, from before time began, God knew who Shealtiel was and that he would be a part of the blessed messianic bloodline. God carefully watched over each and every one of the names in this genealogy, good, bad, and mundane, to ensure that his eternal plan of salvation took place exactly as he had prophesied, exactly as he desired it to. God spoke his word to Shealtiel. He repeated the promise of the Messiah to him. He assured Shealtiel of his love for his people, that the Messiah would come to take away the guilt of our sin. And God graciously chose to join Shealtiel in his history and his flesh, to take on Shealtiel's sin, to save him, from sin, death, and the devil, just like he's done for you as well. You know, let's face it. Most of us are not well-known outside of our immediate family and friends. Most of us are not celebrities, internationally renowned authors or athletes, people whose names are recognizable or familiar to the world. 
The fact is, while our families and friends know us and love us, most of us are going to be genealogical footnotes in a couple generations. Anonymous names that the people are going to gloss over to get to the good stuff. Most of us are the Shealtiels of this world. Just plain, ordinary folk who aren't making a lasting impression on the worldwide scene. But while the world may not know us or remember us, God does. Just like Shealtiel, to you, God has repeated his gracious promises of the Messiah. While the world might not know you, God knew you from before you were born chose to be a part of your family, loved you enough to give up absolutely everything so that you, unknown to the world, could be with him forever. That's what we see when we look to the manger of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is not just a cute little baby to remind you to pretend to like your co-workers and give some money to the bell ringers. This is Emmanuel, God with us. God, the creator and ruler of all things, who humbled himself to come to us in the flesh, to become a part of his own creation. Not just to save a handful of really good, well-known people. He came for all of us. The Abrahams, the Shealtiels, the Dans, the Pauls, the Karmas, the Toms, all of us. Jesus came to give us everything. All of us are loved by God so much that he humbled himself to take on human flesh for us. And he didn't just get born to be cute and set a good example and say, this is how you fulfill God's law, now do it too. No, he was born so that he could die in our place so that he could sacrifice his perfect eternal life to take away the guilt of your sin, to set you free completely from sin, death, and hell. That's what Christmas is about. Our Savior came to sacrifice everything on your behalf so that you could be cleansed of your sin. That tiny baby that we so eagerly await to celebrate his birth he was born to suffer and die in your place, to pay the full price of your sin, to rise again from the tomb for you so that you could be his child and could dwell with him in his everlasting paradise of heaven. So whether you're famous or not, whether people talk about you for hundreds of years or forget about you soon after you're gone, Jesus Christ was born for you. He loved you personally so much that he gave up everything just so you could be with him in heaven. You are a part of his family as he willingly, graciously took on human flesh, joined you in the waters of baptism, and paid with his life to adopt you as his beloved child. No matter what the world might think, you are his precious possession. You are his pride and joy. You are a valued and loved member of his eternal family. You are why Jesus was born. And because he was, because he suffered and died on the cross for you, because he is risen from the grave for you, 
you are forgiven of every one of your sins, and eternal life in heaven is yours. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen.